and welcome to the What Manners Most podcast. I'm Thomas Farley, Mr. Manners. Thank you so much for tuning in. All season long, we've been discussing how the coronavirus pandemic has affected various aspects of our lives, from our relationships at home to changes in the way we celebrate special occasions like weddings and birthdays. We've explored how everyone from chefs to crafters have come to the aid of frontline workers and how Hollywood hopes to lure people back to movie theaters as it becomes safer to do so. But an element of this pandemic we have not yet touched upon in much detail is that of money. Money in the sense of how the lack of it, or the fear of running out of it, can have a dramatic impact on our interactions with one another. For the 11% of the population who are currently unemployed, not to mention the underemployed or the small business owners who cannot open their businesses at this time, this has been a very frightening cycle. Although economic booms and busts are baked into our understanding of how the way the economy operates, this time, it certainly feels different. And for as many companies as furlough or lay off their employees, there are that many more stories of mortgage payments missed, credit card bills defaulted upon, medical treatments postponed, and a cascade of dreams put on hold. This is merely month five of the pandemic, and yet it feels like it has been an eternity. Can you imagine living through the Great Depression? For a decade following the 1929 stock market crash, the U.S. and the world struggled to get back on solid financial footing, ultimately being pulled up by its bootstraps literally as the globe went off to war. Is it any wonder that the Gold Digger song from the film We're in the Money was so giddy over the prospect of something as simple as being able to pay the landlord? It was a pipe dream for so many then as it is now. By the 1950s, Actress Rosemary Clooney was able to sing the lyric from We're in the Money with no sense of irony. The American dream was back on track. Old man depression, you are through, you done us wrong. We never see a headline but a bread line today. And when we see the landlord, we can look that guy right in the eye. We're in the money. If there's anyone who knows about financial turnarounds, it's my friend Farnoosh Torabi. At the age of 22, Farnoosh found herself $30,000 in debt and earning $18 per hour in spite of her master's degree. She says that her postgraduate years in New York City involved lots of borrowed clothes, canned tuna, and $5 sandwiches. Fast forward to today and Farnoosh is a certifiable empire with multiple books on managing one's finances, including You're So Money, Live Rich Even When You're Not, and Psych Yourself Rich, Get the Mindset and Discipline You Need to Build Your Financial Life. Farnoosh has built a career around understanding the way money works and how to ensure that financial worries are few, financial security assured. Her podcast, So Money, ranks in the top 20 podcasts on entrepreneurship. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. As I thought about which of my friends would be best equipped to provide perspective on the financial fallout from the pandemic, it was Farnoosh who came to mind immediately. We had a very robust decade of growth in the job market, in the stock market, in housing. 
prices went up for everything from milk to college. I hope the last recession would teach us a lesson, right? That you have to have a rainy day account. You can't live above your means. You can't carry on life with high interest credit card debt. And also your job is not secure. I do think though that lesson will be learned a lot more now because it's like the double whammy of a recession and this health crisis, which is putting things in unprecedented perspective for us. If the prospect of a life event such as losing your job is not enough on its own to inspire many people to get their finances in shape, will things be different this time than they were following our recovery from the Great Recession? And whereas the banks and the auto industry were among the hardest clobbered last time, what sector of our economy has remained unaffected by this pandemic? The pain is real, and so are the ripple effects. Everyone needs money right now. Everyone. Education, for one. Our public schools, they were already underfunded. Now, the ability to send your child to school is of the utmost so that you can go to work. But how do you do it so it's safe? Well, we need more staffing. We need more strategists. We need more space. We need you know, technology. And, and schools need money to support that. And I think that's a smart place to invest. Wherever you look, there's vulnerability. That concept of vulnerability is where the headlines become about so much more than numbers on a page. It's where they become stories of real people who are struggling. And of course, the contrast between those who are struggling mightily and those who are doing just fine financially. I asked Farnoosh how the ones who are feeling insecure about where they are right now financially can find bright spots. If you are somebody who is struggling right now, don't take your personal finances personally. This isn't your fault. How could you have known we would have had a pandemic and that you would have lost your job because of that? Try to look at the things that you still do have. I've talked to a lot of people, Thomas, who've lost a lot in various ways, whether they got their money stolen from Bernie Madoff or lost their home in a foreclosure in the last housing recession or uh, their children of depression era parents and grew up poor. Those who have been triumphant and those who were able to rebuild their lives. A lot of it was being grateful for what they still had. Because if you're constantly sitting in your house, missing the things that you don't have, it is completely paralyzing. So rather than saying, oh, I don't have a job. I don't have enough money right now. Think about, well, I still have my skills. I still have my network. There are things that you have that a pandemic cannot take away from you, that a recession can't steal from you that you will always have in this life that are of value. You still have time. You still have a good heart. You still have a good brain. You are able-bodied. Those are rich things. And how can you leverage that? How can you apply the things that you have access to, the things that you're passionate about in other ways? Ben Franklin said, early to bed and early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. If only it were so easy, there might be no such thing as a night owl. And with a global pandemic on our hands, the healthy component may be the most challenging part of that equation, certainly the least assured, particularly at a time when so many have lost or cannot afford their health insurance coverage. So many people lost their 
access to health insurance, ironically, in a pandemic, because our jobs are what provide us with health insurance for the most part in this country. I've been telling people, if you have only so much money to spend right now, one of those things has to be health insurance. Your finances are important. Your life is more important. It's a complex thing to try to reconcile, Thomas, right? Because it's like you can't unfortunately have health insurance for free in this country unless you have a job and even then you're paying something. So those are those are issues that as individuals, there are limits to how much we can reconcile. We need to lean on policymakers to make the world a better place and to make the world a more equitable place for people so that we don't have to leave our homes in fear simply because we're worried that if something happens to us, we won't be able to afford to continue living. What kind of a world is that? As a commentator, as opposed to an op-ed columnist, Farnoosh is accustomed to steering clear of politics or of advocating for one system over another. And yet the realities she has been witnessing during this pandemic are changing her thinking on the role she is duty-bound to play. Personal finance experts, authors, we tend to shy away from politics. We tend to not want to get into quote-unquote divisive issues. I, I think that there's a reckoning there where we're realizing that in order to tell someone, go out there and live your best financial life, we cannot s- assume that they're going to have all the resources and all of the ability to do that on their own. It takes a team to make sure that one person can be financially successful. It takes your company to make sure that they're paying you right and giving you the right benefits. It takes your country to make sure that they're providing the laws and the structure and the systems that you can be successful and to give you the access to the things that will help you be successful, like health insurance, like good public education. We need to hold those systems, those entities more accountable. And as advice givers in this space, myself included, I am no longer going to shy away from pointing fingers at those structures and institutions. As an American-born daughter of Iranian parents, Farnoosh says she has faced challenges as she built her career, but nothing compared to what others might face. And as we have seen the confluence of pandemic lockdown and Black Lives Matter reckoning this year, she is also studying the effects of what all that means for our culture and for the opportunities some are denied. Well, we're seeing the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. And that had always been the trend, but the pandemic has really accelerated that gap widening. And a lot of the people being forced to work right now because they're deemed essential workers, I'm not talking doctors only, but also frontline food workers, delivery, a lot of these minimum wage jobs, who's working them? Oftentimes, people who are minorities, people of color, and people who may not have advanced degrees. And in many cases, they're losing their financial grip and they're being forced to you know, really make hard decisions, hard decisions. Do I work and risk my life because I need to make the money and support my family or do I not work? They don't have the luxury of maybe trying to find a better job or using their savings, or getting access to some of the services that may be easier for somebody else to get access to. We know statistically that if um, people of color are dying at higher rates, and we also know that 
in the Black community, they lean more on things like life insurance to pass down their wealth as opposed to wills. And if they don't have a will, if they don't have life insurance, like how is their, how are their children supposed to be carrying on? I just did a whole wealth series on, on my podcast called Black Wealth Matters. And we dive into a lot of these unique challenges that people of color have, whether that's a shortage of appropriate financial tools and services that really address the specific issues that they're dealing with because they've been denied so many things up until now and why we have to not just fight for equality, but equity so we can support these communities to help them catch up and get to a place where they can actually be equal. Welcome to So Money, everybody. It is Friday, June 26th, 2020. Our Black Wealth Matters series continues today with my friend, Yami Rose, who is the founder of Of Color. It's a new digital financial wellness platform that focuses on providing content and banking tools built around how people of color save, spend, and build their legacies differently. With the vast majority of Americans suffering to at least some extent, there are some safety nets, temporary ones at least, such as the CARES Act, which among other things is providing a $600 supplemental benefit to those who have lost jobs or work, a benefit which will run out at the end of this month unless extended by Congress and the president. If you're one of the 25 million who will be losing that benefit, you're probably feeling like you're ready for another break as the commercials for McDonald's in the 1970s and 80s used to promise. Fries and a milkshake, unfortunately, will provide only temporary relief, which means if you haven't already, cast aside your pride and start calling your banks, says Farnoosh. They're not going to call you and tell you, hey, are you hurting? <laughs> uh, do you need a break? You need to be the one to call and say, I've lost my job or I've had my hours cut back. I'm furloughed or I have a sick member in my family that I have to take care of and I can't bring in as much money. And so I can't make my mortgage this month. I can't pay my student loans this month. I can't pay my rent this month. Right now, these conversations are happening and if you're not having them, you're not going to get any resolve. There's no harm in asking for help. You might get some sort of deferred payment plan. You might get interest knocked off your credit cards. You might get rent reduced from your landlord. But these things aren't going to happen just because. If you're absolutely in dire straits, you can take out money from your retirement account early. The government is allowing individuals to take out up to $100,000 out of their 401k, IRA, SEP IRA, by the end of the year, penalty-free. And you can pay it back if you want. You can pay or not. If you don't pay it back, just know that you will have to pay taxes on that over the next three years. As our world and our finances begin to ease back to normal, hopefully sooner rather than later, it's a sure bet that our priorities will have changed. Farnoosh believes they have changed for the better. I think we're going to really place more value on the things that we so took for granted. Our health, our relationships. If pandemics are going to become sort of the thing, there's going to be a paradigm shift for sure in the things that we value and how we define rich in this country. 
I don't know about you, but I haven't spent a single penny on an item of clothing. I almost bought a dress the other day and you know what? It was called a nap dress. The only kind of dress that's selling right now because <laughs> it's meant to take a nap in it. Even though she's a mom of two with a new home in the suburbs to manage, along with her business empire, Farnoosh doesn't strike me as someone who has too much time for naps. So I was not entirely surprised to learn that she put the nap dress impulse quickly to rest. I didn't buy it because I thought, no, I'm going to save the $100 and use that towards groceries because that's what I need to do right now. As listeners of this podcast know, I've been keen to hear the ways that people have found silver linings in this pandemic. Farnoosh took a fresh angle on the question, focusing on how the pandemic may prove to be an incubator of not just a virus, but of great business startups. Just like with the last recession, we're, gonna, we're seeing a lot of innovation, entrepreneurship. It was called necessity entrepreneurship in the last recession. People forced to sort of rethink their careers because their jobs went away. We're seeing a repeat of that in this time frame. I think that as, as much as of, of a struggle that may be in the beginning, looking back five years from now, you're going to be so glad that you got the kick in the pants to finally pursue that dream of starting your own business. Farnoosh is right. That same sort of pivot during the Great Recession of 2008 is what set me on my current path, growing the Mr. Manners brand. I love what I do and would not feel nearly so fulfilled had I not decided to branch out 12 years ago. Likewise, during this year of COVID-19, as my work engagements have shifted from speaking at in-person conferences and leading company trainings to leading virtual programs, I've been able to assess and plan my next big steps. The time away from my regular routine has also afforded me the opportunity to launch this podcast, something I'd wanted to do forever, but would never have had the time before. I have no answers on when our lives will resume a true semblance of normal, but I, like you, am counting the days until, with apologies to the writer of the Gold Digger song, we can say, old man pandemic, you're through, you've done us wrong. Until we can sing that lyric, manage those finances well, but focus most of all on the people closest to you. As radio personality and author Delilah says, all the money you make, all the awards you win, all the plays you produce, all the things you accomplish, the only thing that will remain is the love and the relationships that are formed in your lifetime. Special thanks to my guest, Farnoosh Tarabi. Please be sure to check out her website, farnoosh.tv, and her podcast, So Money, as well as her excellent books, the latest of which is called When She Makes More. I'd also like to thank my superb producer, Martin Burgess, as we prepare to wind down our first season, we'd so appreciate your leaving a comment on your podcast platform, including anything you'd like to hear more of in season two. You can also follow the podcast and hear clips from back episodes on our Instagram page. Links to Farnoosh and to other content mentioned in our program can be found in the show notes for this episode. We'll be back with one more episode next week, but until that time, thanks for joining me on the podcast where we explore, discover, and distill what manners most.